Off the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB Sports app now. Hurling on Off the Ball. With Bored Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. You are very welcome back. Limerick have swept all in front of them this season, completing a treble at the weekend, the league, the Munster Championship and the All-Ireland title for a fourth time in a row, uh, joining the history books with the Cork team of the 40s and the Kilkenny team of the noughties. And it is five championships in six seasons for John Kiley's side. Delighted to say Anthony Nash is with us. Anthony, we're going to have a look at where the game was won and lost and how the season may be swung in Limerick's favour. How are you getting on, Anthony? Very well, how are you keeping? It's mad to think that it's over, isn't it? Um, uh which will obviously lead to another day's debate again over the long uh, rest of the summer and the winter. But uh, yeah, some stature after reading out there in fairness to the, to that Limerick team. Let it be the August and September debate about where the All-Ireland yeah. final goes. In the final yeah. we've just seen, 26 shots they took in the last 25, 26 minutes. They scored 21 points from it. There's a Limerick mm-hmm. team who only had five points on the board pretty much coming up to the half hour. Is that as devastating a display in the second half as you've seen from a team? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, and against like it's not as if they're against, you know, a weaker side or anything like that. They're against the second best team in the country the last two years. Um, phenomenal performance, like you know, um, like the, those stats are just incredible. Like you know, and when you look at the shots that went over, like Peter Casey's too, especially there under pressure, right side. You know, like I think he's predominantly left sided. Like you know, I know he's as good off both, but hanging out over the sideline, like being well pressured by the defenders, like uh, to get those scores. So they weren't easy shots in any way, but they just seemed to regroup at half time, And they tend to do that. And the great teams tend to do that too. You know, the 10 minutes before and the 10 minutes after half time seems to be the time where the foot goes in the throat. Um, like Brian Cody's Kilkenny that you alluded to there a while ago. Like I'd say their stats for goals 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after half time were just crazy. Like, you know, and it was really when teams felt the pinch. Um, but they just... They blew a very, very, very good Kilkenny team away. Um, and it was just the dominance for me around the middle third. It was the half-back line that really kind of kicked on and dominated Kilkenny's pockets. Yeah, I think over the last seven years, there's probably been three performances from Limerick that really stand out. It would be when the chips were down a little bit against Tipperary in the Munster Championship and they found themselves a dozen points down and come out mm. in the second half and were just incredible. The first half against your own County Cork in the All-Ireland Final that year in 2021 as well was amazing and what we saw on Sunday. like They're probably, if you're stitching together a DVD at some point of this Limerick team and what they've achieved, I think those three halves of hurling probably go into the highlights package. As a group, and I speak about the players and the management, like they, what I find very impressive about them, um, and everyone was screaming for the water breaks to go because the first 15 minutes of those water break games the likes of Waterford and I seem to throw everything at him. Paul Kinnerk and the players would get group regrouped in together. They come out and they'd fix it. Now it's gone to half time and there's still no panic. There's still no pressure. Like there were five or six points down in the first half. Like, and I was sitting with a group of people and I just kept saying, no, it's still okay. They'll have the wind in the second half. You know, they'll push on. Um, and that confidence seems to be there in the group as well. So what what I find is very um, admirable about this team is number one, there's no panic. And that's the confidence of winning too. And number two is that they seem to just grasp what other teams are doing like they did against Galway in the semi-final and then just regroup and get back into their own stride and get into their own game um, so like those performances like the Tipperary second half that time like and this second half like were just Jesus Christ like you know they were enough to win games like you know 21 points like is enough to win 
a couple of games, you know what I mean? Or be close or there, thereabouts, but to do it in that length of time is is incredible. But um, yeah, look, it's the one thing for me is I, th- I always find this, that even when things aren't going their way and everything like that, it takes a team's perfect performance against them to get anywhere close. And uh, in the last four years, no one has, has well, I know Clare beat in Munster, but you know, in Crow Park, no one has been able to do it. No, and that's the thing. And I wonder as well whether when they get to Crow Park, that's the time when it almost feels like too late in the championship to try and catch them because I said I, I yeah I said that in the show like I yeah. said the longer this team remain in the championship it's the teams it's to the team's detriment like you know and, and it was actually after the match on Sunday I met a few people and we were having the chat and you know the common consensus is that the only time that they might get caught is if they don't get out of Munster like you know what I mean like if if the other teams put the pin to their collar and you know like there was a lot of tight games in Munster this year like but. Like it's going to take two teams at least to beat them in Munster, and Jesus Christ, that's even you know that's even a massive achievement in itself. But um, they're just look, they're a fantastic team. Um, Joe and I spoke, and he asked me last week that I feel they were the greatest, and I felt at the time even that they were. Um, I know David Herity came on and spoke about you know Kilkenny and obviously the age profile, and how they changed and stuff like that. But I just think with the players that Limerick have lost over the last few years, like losing a hurler the year in Keen Lynch last year and still pushing on in two thousand and was it twenty that they lost. The full back line where Barry Nash and Dan Morris he had to go back in. This year it's Declan Hannon and and Sean Finn. You know what I mean? And like none of them are small parts to that team, and and still go on and win all Ireland's like so. You know, so they're um they're they're a super side. Yeah, like it's a feral situation where you end up with Dan Morrissey. You probably wouldn't expect it to have been mm. fullback going into this year. Isn't the three shirt in All Ireland final? And Will O'Donoghue, who, who I think most people would have had nailed on as himself and O'Donovan, is just Limerick's midfield, and they're the two guys who are going to win ball. That Will would end up at number six within an All Ireland final as well, and that they'd be doing so without Sean Finn, who's arguably been the most consistent cornerback over the last five or six years. To be missing such a kind of a, a spine to your team. And I have to kind of rejig and relearn and pl- move players into new positions. That probably makes this achievement all the more impressive, doesn't it? So I accidentally bumped into Jor accidentally on purpose, Jor and Arthur, for, for a drink after the game on I Sunday. And we were having this conversation. And uh, we were just saying, like, that my point to them was that if you look back over the time of, of hurling, like, that the best hurlers can play anywhere. And I mean, no, the pinnacle of players can play everywhere. Like, and Tommy Walsh was on off the ball all the time, obviously, as well, was, was probably one of the main guys to do that, that could play corner forward, corner back, midfield. Like my cousin Barry started as a forward, Declan Hannon started as a forward, you know, Dan Morrissey's predominantly a half back. Um, you know, and you're looking at all these players. Kyle Hayes was a centre back player, centre forward, Keen Lynch. Like they're just fantastic hurlers. Well, I just think that they're and and obviously with the coaching set up with Sean O'Donnell and the stats showing them what to do and Paul Knurk and everyone else inside they're like that like what Barry did what I see and it's not because he's my cousin, but to start as a corner forward or wing forward no going back and being a, you know, a full back line player I think is one of the biggest you know swaps but they're just great hurlers they're, they're very good players and what Willow Donahue did in two games like and, and he's do you know what like it, it's the you know it's the selflessness to give up the game that he always did just to sit in the centre back position and do it in as well like you know and uh, like it's just an incredible like when you still look at that half back line like you know in the second half and I know we'll get on to maybe later mm. is Owen Murphy's looking at like Dermot Burns Willow Donahue and, and Kyle Hayes like and you're kind of going, Jesus Christ. Yes, Declan Hansy, who's lost, don't get me wrong, but that half back line hasn't been weakened much, like, you know what I mean? Um, and then to have Mike Casey, and even like you said, they, they mentioned after, like, without Richie English as well, you know, on the bench, it's like they're just, they just have, a, you know, a, an array of talent in the squad. And look, they're, they're the best team and, and they have the best hurlers. And no matter if it's 2023 or it's 1943, the best hurlers tend to win games unless something dramatically bad happens. 
Yeah, next man up seems to genuinely be the mantra uh, with this team. Yeah. Someone else will plug into the system and that's not yeah. meant in any kind of negative way. The system actually, it's a good thing that you're able to change players around and that it seems like the team don't uh, get hurt by a result despite the personnel moving around. Let's have a look at um, some of the five reasons then that Limerick are sitting here as four-time All-Ireland champions. We might kick off with something that's very much the start of the year and that's Aaron Galan, who would be my mm. pick for player of the year. I know the Sunday game opted for Kyle Hayes and there's an argument probably around a few players this year and Darrell Donovan and Burns probably in contention as well and Owen Cody and we'll see who's uh, nominated by the end of it but maybe the management around Aaron Galan is pretty crucial here because there was that possibility that Aaron Galan under a different management system doesn't come back in and if Aaron Galan doesn't show up for this year then it's a problem for Limerick for the entire season but this is a guy who's come back in he's been incredibly important in big games Anthony during the year as well and is very much a contender for hurler of the year when the awards are given out in a couple of months. Yeah, like you know, you could discuss moments of the match that um, win the game, and it's probably moments in the year really that I kind of look at. And and like I remember on Twitter, uh, Aaron Galan in a soccer kit while Limerick were training, you know, and everyone's like the rumors. Like look, rumors fly. Like there was, there was rumors about my cousin not playing on Sunday and. You know, there was like there's always rumors like Gerard Hagert who's fired off the panel. Like when you're when you're the, the kingpins of a sport team, people and teams like try and knock him, try and knock you down a bit. But uh, like to me, I'd agree with you. I think he's hurler dear. Um, I think the man of the match performances he put in, you know, two games in a row, and just what he did against Clare showed how good he is. And that's not taken away from Kyle Hayes. I think Kyle Hayes is deserved of a hurler dear too. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just a phenomenal athlete as well and has had a great year. But <sighs> The winning of the All-Ireland could have been the management of that situation, as you said. They, look, Limerick have no player that's irreplaceable, and they'll say that themselves, but I do feel that Aaron Galan's free-taking, I, I alluded to this at the start of the year as well, that like not only is he a difficult player to replace the full forward, but he's a free-taker. And if you looked around the team, like you know, Reedy came in eventually and got a starting point for, for Limerick as well, like, and he is a free-taker. But Aaron Galan's ability to score goals, to you know even retain the opposition's best defender, you know what I mean? Like that, he always gets the best man marker, and just his relationship with Seamus Flanagan, like who's another, I think one of the most underrated. If if you can have an underrated hurler under Limerick team, you know, which you don't have, I think Seamus Flanagan is probably it. But yeah, I think that's one of the key moments on Sunday <laughs> and the whole year is how he was managed, how he was brought back in, and and you know what? In fairness to him, the attitude he showed all year too. He worked hard in every game, you know. He fought for every ball. And people think about hard workers hooking and blocking. Sometimes a 50-50 ball goes into a fella or 60-40. He fights for it, do you know what I mean? And he show, holds up the ball as well and he strengthened. I remember like in front of me on Sunday, he Hugh Lawler, he came out for a ball and Hugh Lawler fouled him. And you know, it slowed the play down. It gave the Limerick defenders a break and he takes his free and the ball goes over. So it's not just the goals. It's also his physical presence up front. So one of the winning match moments on Sunday was him returning to the panel with the way he was handled and the way he brought his attitude, definitely. Paul Murphy was telling us he's a complete and utter nightmare to try and mark because he'll go quiet around you for a few moments and then you realise he's either tried to slip in behind or he's made a run. You're wondering where to go to him. He'll play your hurl sometimes when the ball is coming in. He will just make it almost impossible for you to get to the ball ahead of him, such as his both his movement and the cleverness of the tricks. And that has to make him absolutely impossible to try and keep quiet. What I What I find very good about him is that a physical man of his strength sometimes would get into a battle with the full back, you know what I mean? But he disengages first and goes behind you and then all of a sudden reappears. So in I think it was 18, Colin Spillane was on him and Colin was playing him from in front. 
and Aaron played the hurley cutely twice, came in, and unfortunately for us, he lost his hurley on both occasions. Like he kicked one off, off me and over the bar or something like that. So Colin came in and said to me, what will they do? And I said, look, you just can't mark him from in front. You know, trust your pace, trust that you'll get there with him, but don't play him from in front because he'll come in behind you where you don't know where he is. And then at the last second, he'll just clip your hurley or your hand, catch the ball actually very low so the referee can't see the action and then being on top of you. You know what I mean? So he's very, very good. Uh, at doing that so then Colin started marking him from behind but like on Sunday he disengaged down in front of the, the Davin side from Hugh Lawler and then finally at the last second came in and it was actually Hugh Lawler caught the ball which was an incredible catch by Hugh Lawler but he's very good at that and then as a defender you're used to a fellow that's big and strong tussling with you you know where he is you just don't know where he is and I see all of a sudden he reappears and all of it, and he's gone in behind you do you know what I mean so um and I found that interesting. The last day, Limerick really looked for high balls in the top of him, which, I, you know, on top of Hugh Lawler, like, you know what I mean? You're kind of going, Jesus, they have fierce faith in him. Um, but very rarely does a defender, I know I just mentioned Hugh, did come out cleanly with the ball either. It's either hitting the ground or something like that, and it's always a dangerous ball. Kilkenny's goal came from a dangerous ball in as well. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a nightmare to play to play against, um, and, and so accurate as well. I would say the frustrating part, and it brings us around to your point about Casey and his work uh, within the game as well, is that... Mm. Hugh Lawler would probably be happy enough and Kilkenny would probably be happy enough with the job that Hugh did on Aaron mm. overall yeah. within the game yeah. and yeah. then other guys step up and in this yeah. case it felt like Peter Casey was on such a hot streak with the way that he was shooting that everything he hit in that second half seemed to go between the posts So like that was the one thing I always said during the year about Limerick's opposition is that every forward or three or four forwards from the opposition need to hit form and need to hit form hard that's what I was saying about Galway like that Conor Whelan needed a helping hand massively in that game because uh, Aaron Glenn might be quiet Flanagan will chip in Flanagan might be quiet Gillan will chip in the two of them might go quiet Casey and the half forward line will chip in do you know what I mean like that like there's, there's always two or three players from the Limerick forward line just have an on day and the opposition need to match that and more you know what I mean so like like Seamus Flanagan was taken off now I've so much time for that fella I just think the off the ball running he does to create for Aaron Gillan and he's so selfless gives it off as well and Peter Casey was doing very well outside but then when he came in Tommy Walsh had actually been stretching his hamstring you know what I mean? He's thing all of a sudden Casey runs right inside, like, and he gets three or four points to kill the game. The game no, you could you could say the game is over that point, but his two points from the wing were phenomenal and, and, and incredible. And then when he went inside, like Peter's actually more naturally inside, you know, from the start of his career. But that Graham Mulcahy role is what you want to call it as a fifteen role, you know, became more vacant and he took it on and does a great job. But when he went in, he showed how talented he is. And without you know, against Cork in, in twenty twenty one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. He, he was online for man of the match before he got injured. You know what I mean? So he is an incredibly accurate forward and a dangerous forward as well. Um, but his performance the last day, and it's it, the funny thing is, like we're commenting about his scores, it's the off the ball stuff that he does. It's that that role demands hard work, and he's always tidying up the centre back behind the centre back, tackling from behind as well. You know what I mean? So um, I thought he just had a, a phenomenal day. Um, and th- but those points from the wing, like even under no pressure on the run, they're tough. But he was under pressure, f- and I think b- both times he struck the ball, he ended out over the sideline. He was being put under so much pressure. You know what I mean? So and and as a as a player, you're looking down the field and you're going, oh yeah, like when these go over, we must be. It gives your team huge confidence and demoralising for Kilkenny because you're hoping that those kind of you wouldn't call them pot shots uh, will go away. But super player um, and uh, yeah, he was he was he was awesome on the day. I'd say energy energy sapping for Kilkenny too because they're working yeah. so hard to try and get the ball back. They're working so hard because their puck out is starting to dysfunction that it's becoming yeah. very difficult to actually get the ball even into Limerick's half. In that last 20 minutes or so, they scored two minutes, or sorry, they scored two points from play in that last 20 minutes. So if you're Kilkenny and you're having to work so hard to even create a chance at the other end, the last thing you want to see happen is a hot streak of scores coming at the other end. 
I, jeez, well, I've been in Crow Park, unfortunately, many times, and I've been involved in games at Park Heave Turles where I'm looking down going, oh, sweet Jesus Christ, everything's going against us here. What am I going to do, you know? And as a team, it's just, as you said, it's sapping energy, mentally, everything. You're just looking up and you're going, oh, Christ, it's a brick wall. Here it comes again. And they just get a run in you, like, you know, and next thing, like, as we alluded to there a while ago, like, you know, Garrod Hagerty pops over a point. Next thing, they, you know, like what I what I looked at Limerick in the first part of the second half, they get a score, it was a fist pump. They were going, they were ready, they were up for it, like, you know what I mean? And then when they got the run and, you know, then Peter Casey just gets, you know, a run and everything he touches goes to gold, like, you know what I mean? It's just absolute class. But yeah, it was just, unfortunately, like, it's a horrible feeling. Um, You know, it's a horrible feeling as a player to be against that, like when a team just gets a purple patch on you, it just seems to just never end, Um, which happened on Sunday. And, there isn't much you can do, do you know what I mean? Unless you have a guy up the other end like a TJ Reid or a, you know, or a Henry Sheffner or something that just grabs the, the game by the scruff of the neck and grabs you a goal and by a single bit of brilliance, it's very hard against a team that are just like a juggernaut against you. The puckouts then for Kilkenny, why did it become so difficult for them to retain the ball in the second half? Like I, This is going to sound so simplistic, right? And I hope people bear with me with this, right? Crow Park actually has a stronger win than people think. If you look at Owen Murphy's puckouts in the sec in the first half, right, they were bypassing the Limerick half back line. No, this is funny, you know, right? Because every team are saying the longer you go puckouts, the more defensive you're making the opposition. But that's all right if you know if you don't have ball winners. These two teams just go direct, like you know, they have ball winners, natural ball winners that are just willing to. Do. And Kilkenny's, I think Kilkenny's um, nearly got a goal off one of them. Aguilar Dunne who went up for a ball and he went straight through him and stuff. So they were able to get a pass, and the ball was traveling at more pace from on Murphy's puckouts. In the first half, Limerick struggled. I remember Richie Reid read one of Nicky's puckouts and put the ball straight back over the bar. And the, the simplest thing I can tell you is the wind. I swear to God, the ball hangs a lot more than you think. And if you're allowing a Kyle Hayes and you're allowing a Dermot Burns, you know, on the wings to have a hanging ball to get your feet set and jump and time your jump, well, then your puck out is under ferocious pressure. So I watched in the corner at one stage, one of the hurley carriers ran down to Owen Murphy and made a signal. And the signal was kind of like shorter. So the next two puck outs went to Hugh Lawler. But that's all okay if you're playing against a team that don't set up brilliantly against a sharp puckle as well. So, like, you're kind of going, oh, God, you're going from the frying pan into the fire. And in fairness to Hugh, his deliveries for one or two of them are impeccable. But Limerick turned a few over then as well. And, like, as a goalkeeper, Owen Murphy's looking down the field kind of going, well, if I go long, they're going to catch it. If I go short, my defender's under the world of pressure to to get it out to the midfield, you know. Um, so, for me, it was the inability, because of, this, because of the conditions, nothing to do with Owen or, or Nicky in either half, the wind was just stronger than what people felt. It, the, the flags were, were howling, like, you know, um, and it just took that really long puck out. And that's why I think Limerick's puck out in the second half was a lot more successful in the first half as well. It was going longer, it was travelling more, and when a ball travels more, even if they don't win it, it bounces through. When a ball into the wind hits it, it dies on the ground, and then that's when a tussle happens. So I really think it was Limerick's dominance at the half-back line by the hanging ball that was nothing to do with Owen or anything like that. It was just conditions and the inability to bypass that mammoth size of a back line that I wouldn't be like the facing on any Sunday yeah it must be demoralising as a goalkeeper if you look out and that long mm. option is taken away because we are chatting to Joe Canning last Thursday and he was saying to us that one of the good things that Galway had when they had Johnny Glynn was that they actually mm. had a not particularly well disguised shout which was just lump it down to Johnny and they had a guy in the half forward line who they knew could compete with anybody get up and win the ball it was almost like the out ball if the shorter pass wasn't working for them but if you're trying to poke the ball into that Limerick half back line you're kind of taking your chances, aren't you? 100%. And do you know the funny thing is, right? 
I really thought Walter Walsh was effective. I know his shooting was off, okay? Um, and I thought when he went off, I thought Kyle Hayes really, really stormed into the game. It was like, and this is going to sound mad, it was like he's put on to just nullify Kyle Hayes. You know, do you know that kind of thing with his size and everything? And as a goalkeeper, when you see a fellow of his size, that's why I thought he wouldn't start. I thought he was going to come in as a sub, um, uh, you know, and, and I thought like people are going to listen and go, ah, he's fucking mad, sure, he'd three or four wides. He did. He did, but he was effective. He got on the ball. You know, he worked hard. It was If his shots went over, people would have said he had an unbelievable chance. Or if he decided to deliver them in, it was just unfortunate for him that he's shooting with that. But, you know, he really kind of, you know, kept Kyle Hayes quieter and then just, fuck, we're going on top of this man. Like, sure, he played against Kyle Hayes with the club last year. Like, and Christ almighty, like, we thought we kept him quiet. He had three points and won about four frees. And do you know what I mean? Like, that was quiet for us. We were happy with our performance against him. Like, he's just an incredible athlete on top of a great hurler. Like, um, and then sure Dermot Burns comes into the game then when he starts plucking ball and he's winning frees and delivering them back over the bar himself or from long distance it's the Limerick crowd force into it the players force into it and the opposition just kind of go into their, their shell a little but yeah for me it was just like you know unless you've three Johnny Glens if you can get him on the team <laughs> into the wind you're going to struggle a little bit Nicky Quaid's puck outs though has to be considered one of the best puck out goalkeepers of all time Oh, he, he's management, he's game management. So like, I did an article in the 42 um, about, uh, you know, the goalkeepers, the difference in the goalkeepers on Sunday. Like, in fairness to Owen, right? Like, I actually said, and, and I was kind of saying this in a more, such a positive way about him, that Kilkenny should ask him to do more, like, because he's such a good good hurler. You know what I mean? Like, he played outfield, he plays outfield for the club. He's great skill, um, you know, set that he could be able to maybe go into the middle third a little bit more. Um, and I know it's not the Kilkenny natural way. It's, you know, you go along or you do whatever. Like, But I just felt that he needed to be, be allowed the freedom to maybe risk one or two into the middle third the last day. Um, you need to have like a perfect puck-up performance against Limerick to, to maintain your possession. And that's, I mean, short, middle, long. And that's what I'm saying, how good they are. They're so well set up. But the thing about Nicky is not just his puck-outs, right? And so first time in 18, right, he started to go short a lot and picking off fellas. That seems to be gone now. What it is now is the management. It's... Like, if you go behind the goal, you see Limerick will double up with Tom Morrissey or Grod Hegarty flying across to one side, and he'll put it down there to give them an advantageous position. Now, the puck out isn't pinpoint from 100 yards. It's the management. It's where he puts it. It's when he slows it down. So for me, the thing about him is, I always kind of refer to him as a petter check. He's, you know, his saves are seem simple, but they're, he's just in the right position all the time. And it's his game management and the calmness he brings to that Limerick team that he's the perfect goalkeeper for them. You know what I mean? Like that he does the right thing all the time. Um, and I, I really think that his game management is where I would say his, his compliment would be biggest for me. And if you have to beat him, it usually has to be a good shot. Like the Paddy Deegan oh, goal, one of the first literal net busters. We write it in reports yeah. all the time, but this was a literal yeah. net buster. Yeah, look, the two shots, even on Cody's shot, um, you know, it was a cracking goal. Like, and Nicky was unsighted even with a player in front of him. But even if he was sighted, if he had full sight of it, it was still the perfect finishes the two of them do you know what I mean um, oh, he's a great goalkeeper like and you know what like the best compliment I give a, give a, a goalie like is you know we're judged off mistakes very easily because you do make a mistake and it's a goal simple as that he uh, can you count how many mistakes he's made do you know what I mean mm-hmm. he's just you know Mr. Composed we're going to take a very short break. Hurling, it is anyone's game. Off the ball, teaming up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors, Borgosh Energy, to uncover stories throughout the season, highlighting the positive impact that hurling is having on people's lives. For full details, check out borgoshenergy.ie forward slash BGEGA. Anthony Ash is going to stick with us. We'll be back in a moment. Hurling on Off the Ball with Borgosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. 
Welcome back. Anthony Nash, two-time All-Star goalkeeper with Cork, is with us. We've spoken about Aaron Galan. Five reasons why Limerick are four-time All-In champions is what we're focusing on this evening. We've had a chat about Peter Casey and we've chatted about the puckouts. Let's talk about Limerick's half-back dominance then, Anthony, as the game went on. Because, again, we talked about how they've had to reshuffle at six throughout. But certainly when Limerick got the grip on the game that half-back line, and I'd probably argue Lynch just in front of them, were so crucial in them taking dominance after that. It was funny, like, when Kyle Hayes went back, wing back, I was kind of thinking, Jesus, like, I think he's a loss, you know, initially, like, because he was such a force to centre forward, he was such a direct runner and everything like that. But, like, again, as I said earlier, any good hurler can, can seem to play everywhere and he's he's become a, a defender, like I said, that Walter Walsh had to kind of look at maybe... You know, curtailing, which is funny. Like it's, I, I just love the days. Like as a young fella, like you put the centre forward in and centre back and tell him keep him quiet. You know, it's like you're kind of gone to the stage now. We were telling the half hour, make sure Kyle Hayes isn't storming down the wing. But, but it, like Bar will I don't know who I know who doesn't shoot that often anyway. He's he's such a selfless player, but they're such an attacking half back thing. Like Jesus, Dermot Burns' scoring record from half back is frightening, and I'm talking from play as well as um, you know, from from freeze and Kyle Hayes the same. Like in. But it's just as a goalkeeper, like you know, it's it sounds, it's just where do you go, like, and even Willow Dunne who at centre back, like he's such a physical man, like it's like to me the the only way you can beat this team is as I said earlier is the perfect puck up performance because if you allow that half back line to get any bit of dominance, it's their hurling, their delivery into the forward line, it's it's their skill set, it's their laying the ball off to Keane Lynch in the middle, it's you know or Darrow Donovan or if Willow Dunne who is there, it's they've got the whole. You know, aspect like even like Dermot Burns and Declan Hannon might be questioned for pace. Dermot Burns went back, I think, after Tom Field at one stage and got a you know a great flick in at one point and showed that he is like they're no slouches any of them. So they, they're the perfect you know if you were to kind of describe a perfect halfback line, big, physical, strong, fast, and can hurl. Um, and then you alluded to Keane Lynch. First of all, look, like I'm delighted from like his family, our, our our lovely family. I've said this before on the show, like in. What he's gone through this year has just been, even in the, like the injury last year, and then gone through this year to get back, and people are writing him off, and to finish off having an incredible midfield performance. And you know what? When Limerick were against it, I thought he really kind of kept them ticking. You know what I mean? Like I know we spoke with Casey there and stuff like that, but like Keane kept them ticking over. And I love like Barry came over with the ball at one stage, and Keane's always under pressure, like, but they still give him the ball because they trust him so much, and he's got those wonderful magician hands that he'll lay off the ball in, in a tight space and everything like that. But but then also to be captaining the team, it was just fantastic. Like, and the roles reversed of Declan Hannon taking him up, and then vice versa this year, you know. Um, but for me, I just thought when the things were going a little bit, you know, against him, I thought he really stood up, like for a guy who has been questioned for his form all year over the injury and everything like that, but. Like any team, I tell you, any team to beat Limerick is going to have to do something with that half back line. Like, you know, you'd like potentially Declan Hannon slipping back in there next year, depending on an injury and health and all that kind of stuff. Like, and then you're looking at it again and you're kind of going, Jesus Christ, what do we do again? Is you know, that a case uh, of trying to disrupt that half back line, or what do you mean when you say someone's going to have to do something about them? Like, if you're planting balls down on top of them, you know, statically you're in a loser straight away like you know you need to try and move them around but like what Limerick do brilliantly is they hold their positions very well they're such like you mentioned system like the systems like a team that like you have to remember how long they're down the line in this system like their game plan hasn't changed like they, they've, they've improved their skill set they've improved their fitness and they've improved their strength and skill and everything like that but their game plan hasn't changed that much so these boys know this, this game plan inside out you know like and that's that's proven by um 
that's proven to by how Will O'Donoghue can simply slip back into centre back and know what he's supposed to do, you know. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like if I if I did know, I'm sure my phone would be hopping from every county to come up and help them out and coach them. But like, they're just a super bunch of players in that. Like, and you have to throw Will O'Donoghue in there, no defect. And Dan Morrissey could be out there next year, and like Barry Nash can play out there. Do you know, they're just. They're a great, they're a great half back line, and obviously the best in in the game at the moment. And you know what? Every good All Ireland winning team have that. You know, I refer back to Sean Og, Rona Corn, and, and Gardner down here. Like you know what I mean? Like they were as as good as we had, and um, they, these boys have it in in numbers. I'm glad you brought up your own coaching because I did wonder about this. Your own home county might well be the team who are best placed to try and stop them. Uh, Tipperary will say because of history. They stopped Cork five in a row. They stopped Kilkenny five in a row. Maybe it's destiny that they're going to knock Limerick out next season. Mm-hmm. But given the talent you've had coming through in Cork, and that's not putting any pressure on the current uh, crop of under-20s, but for the last few years, there's been a very clear good development of players and there's great depth about the Cork panel right now. And there was probably mm-hmm. an argument this year that Cork could have beaten Limerick and you know we could be talking very differently right now if that had happened. Do you have hope that maybe your own county might be able to stop this Limerick team? Look, I I think what Cork have done is very good as in, and that's appointing Pat Ryan and I said that at the start of the year um, I think he was the right man for the job at the time and I, what I like about Pat is he's very kind of a player's person um, very forward thinking coach <sighs> look it's very hard to, to sit here and kind of say can anyone stop this Limerick team at any point do you know what I mean the way they're going the way they're motoring but like, our own Cork 20s this year 20s to senior is 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 a big jump. I know Owen Downey and Ben Cunningham around the panel this year and stuff like that. But physically and and speed wise, it is a huge jump. But you would always have hope, like you know that, you know, I, I really liked what Pat was putting together this year. And obviously he lost Mark Coleman, Robbie O'Flynn, Alan Connolly as well. You know who'll hopefully all flip back in again next year and find one or two more. And and then I think you really do have a very strong panel. And I'm sure Liam Cattle and Tipperary will say the same thing. Like I know they had one or two poor performances, and you know they, you know they look at it as well. But like I. I kind of I referred to the start of the year that I felt that Munster Munster team would be a team to beat them, um, and I know Kilkenny people are listening in like, and I do think Kilkenny will be in a stronger place again, like the likes of Billy Drennan, the likes of them, you know, younger players coming through, and like you'd hope for the likes of TJ Reid to stay on in as well. They do seem to have a good demographic there as well, you know. Um, like I coached Dara Corcoran there in UL um, from Ballyhale, who's a great player, and I know he played a few games this year, but you know, there are a few counties out there. Look. Bar Kilkenny won't be thinking about it but everyone else is having to think about it what do we do like you know um, and I always refer to Cork as the one thing we do have is electrifying pace like you know they have fantastic pace in the forward line and stuff like that but the big thing is then how do you retain the ball from your own pockets because we do have to find those guys that will stop their half back line from dominating as well and can you come up with a system to break them down and you know and, and move them around and stuff because it's all grand saying we're fast but you need to have the ball to use it you know what I mean and, and that's what teams struggle like it's as simple as that Limerick's possession stats people give out about Limerick shooting right but sure they're shooting because they're on the ball so much you know what I mean they shoot from distance they're going right reset next pocket we'll win it back do you know what I mean and that's it put, they put the ball wide they don't care they're going to go again they're going to beat you again for next pocket so like it's it'll take a hell of a team it'll take a hell of a performance and and that's even sitting here now like three or four days after the Iron final to say that it's going to take one hell of a team to beat them next year the only thing that Listen, can we sit here after Sunday and say any team are primed and ready to beat Limerick? You know, I, the last two years, we can't even dollar final against them. We've all said Clare could. So it'll take a hell of a performance. But there's always hope. And I suppose every neutral is kind of hoping that someone will come along. But look, it's they're, they're just, 
they're in a great place at the moment and I'm sure looking for five in a row their appetite will be there like you know to become that team like to do it and, and to be put down as the greatest team the fifth point we wanted to touch on and people might think we're a bit, a bit weird here when you think Limerick got 30 points won the game by nine there are a couple of moments I think for Kilkenny which yeah. they can probably look back on uh, one was the contested 65 that they didn't get that ended up becoming a point yeah. at the other end it was 21-19 I think at that stage on the scoreboard mm-hmm. which could have been important if it was back to a one point game and then there was the chance for Owen Cody to get a second goal if that goes mm-hmm. in maybe it changes the complexion and gives Kilkenny something to hang on to like Kilkenny needed to score three goals at, at in that point, I, I felt to have have a chance of winning. And I know people, oh, it's easy to say it, no, but like if they got that goal, went in with a bigger lead at halftime. And this is not like Jesus, it was, what an incredible shot from Mon Cody, by the way. I was behind it. It skimmed like it was so close. Again, low on the ground. And what a horror he's become as well. He's dummy going through at one stage with the fake hand pass under pressure and falling over and got fouled and everything. Like Jesus Christ, what a player. Um, you know, but like compliments to him and even taking on that shot and almost getting in because Nicky's Nicky's angles for that were perfect. It was going to have to be millimetre perfect and he nearly got it. Um, but like if you were clutching at straws and you were saying moments in the game, another goal for Kilkenny there, like, you know, and Limerick wouldn't have panicked in anything like that, but that would have given the Kilkenny another little bit of an impetus going in at halftime, a little bit more of a lead. And I felt they needed more of a lead with the wind in the second half. Um that 65, like, I remember it, like, you know, it was a two-point swing straight off the bat, like, a quick two-point swing as well, like, you know. Um, and there's always moments in games. Like, the one thing for me, and, and I keep saying it, it's going to take a team's perfect performance for 70 minutes to beat this Limerick team, 70-plus even, you know. And you need all those moments to go your way. Everything to go your way in the day, you know. You need Limerick maybe to have a, maybe a slight foot off the gas, and you need to have the perfect performance as well. The game petered out at the end, I wouldn't say petered out, but kind of the gap got bigger, obviously. But Kilkenny needed everything they got in the day to get that and Owen's shot was so close and that's 65 obviously so if we were to say clutching at straws if we were to say turning points in the game what would have happened if that goal had gone in um, you know and it would have given him even more confidence again um, and obviously the Kilkenny crowd but again for me like it's the the, main t- the maintenance and the dominance for 70 minutes of the Limerick team and bench like I, I was lucky enough to coach Adam English in UL there's Barry Murphy on the sideline. There's few, like these are guys that are starting on other intercounty teams, and I can go through more. Colin Coughlin, I can go through. Like you know, next thing Colin O'Neill only comes on as a sub. Who who had you know what I mean? Like it's it's the strength of their bench as well. It's the strength of their fifteen that stay on the field for as long as they can. Graham Mulcahy comes in and comes in for the last few minutes, and Peter Casey shoves inside. So a team needs to have everything going their way. First of all, all decisions or most of the decisions, any goal chance that they get goes in. And they need to have a bench where they can have 18 players that can come in and make a huge difference. You know what I mean? Like those three subs to come in. I know we say it's a 20-man game, but even have 18 players that can come in and make it. Um, but yeah, again, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's going to be ringing me for my advice and how to be Kilkenny next or Limerick next year. <laughs> the only other thing I want to ask you about, because I was thinking about this after the game, uh, I saw someone had a stat up on Twitter afterwards about what Paul Kinnark has done so far. So he's not 38 oh, until later yeah. this year, right? He's 37 at various different age levels he's won nine All-Ireland titles now at this stage he's been so instrumental to the success of that Clare team bringing them through and winning the title mm-hmm. in 2013 and now everything since he's moved back to Limerick that he's brought in the last years with John Kiley as coaches go that must be one of the most impressive CVs a guy has ever put together in his mid-30s 
is there better? I would wonder. You know, you know you'd have to go back over the books. I, I don't know. Is there better? To be honest, but like it's the consistency. Like you know, a lot of managers that win all Ireland's, like Brian Cody would have won many all Ireland, but he would have changed his coaches or changed his backroom team. Like Canuck is there since the start. You know what I mean? He's there since the beginning. Like unfortunately, we were on the flip side of it in thirteen as well. Like you know, um, but like they just have a good manager. Sean O'Donnell does the stats in the background as well. Like who's an unbelievable guy in as well. So they just have a great management team put together. But like I actually saw that up on Twitter and I was like, geez, like he's younger than me, like and he is after putting a record of coaching together that is just phenomenal. You know what I mean? That um and, and about him, he's very kind of like obviously he doesn't do much media and stuff like that then as well, but very just very kind of a great student of the game then as well, like, you know, and like uh, it's just how the team keep improving. You know, it, it can go very stale very quickly. Like I always believe like when I'm going to coach a team or whatever like that, I'll be there for two years and I'm gone with the same players because you just, I don't think I'll be able to maintain the hunger and appetite in them. Do you, so he's there now. Do you burn out yourself a bit as well? Is that the reason why? I, I, do you know what? Like, like so I, I'm I'm back playing with so liberties. I'm not coaching them like, mm-hmm. you know, but um, which I, I hadn't, I wasn't going to do the start of the year, but like I, I was two years with so liberties like as a coach and I felt that that was my time to step away then as well to give um, give the lads a break from my voice and uh, yeah I like I feel sometimes it's hard to come up with new ideas so like his energy and his enthusiasm I'd say must be incredible because like coaching a team on, on, on a nightly basis you know is very difficult and that's at a club level I found that like and like even with UL there I'm only down there once a week and stuff like that you know so like he's there three or four nights a week with them for five years like you know what I mean or however long he's there now six years and like you're like Jesus Christ like the ideas the man must come up with or but even, you know, because a player can get stale at the same drills. They can get stale. Like, the game plan, fair enough, but you have to keep, you know, changing things up and keeping the player's appetite, you know, um, and going. And he seems to do that perfectly and brilliantly. And, and they seem to manage the whole thing with Caroline Corlett as well, very well. So they just seem to be in a good place, like mentally as well as physically. But like I'd say the, the enthusiasm, the energy, the ideas that he comes up with must be just, you know, enlightening, like, you know, because... Like to keep these, it's the same group of players. That's the thing. Like you know, like it's not as if he's you know a, a Limerick Twenties coach where he gets a new team next year and a new team next year and a new team next year. It's the same core group of players that have been involved since day one, and he's keep kept these boys hungry and starving to go again and on the top of their game. Like and it, 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 that's the biggest thing for me. Whatever about the medals he has and the things he's done before, he has kept the team on the road at the top of their game and improved them every year. That. You know, he must have, you know, as I said, the enthusiasm, energy and love for the game must be obviously there. We'll see how long it can last. Hurling, it is anyone's mm-hmm. game. Off the ball teaming up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors, Borgosh Energy. We've been uncovering stories all season, highlighting the positive impact that hurling is having on people's lives. For the full details on the competition, check out borgoshenergy.ie forward slash BGEGEA. Anthony, thanks a million for joining us. Okay, well, thanks again. Hurling on Off The Ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game.